Good evening, everybody. Welcome to my podcast. It's the inaugural podcast. The first one. First one of many. I'm going to try to make it a thing that I upload every Tuesday. It's been a very creative, close to a month now. Um, It's been a very creative month for me. As some of you might be aware, or some of you might not be aware, um, I've been going through a little bit of a tough time. And I'm not the only one. It's not a poor me, sob story type deal. It's not at all. But um, it's been a low point for me the last few months. I lost my uh, sister and my dog within close proximity to one another. And um, I've usually dealt with loss pretty well, to be honest with you. It's not that I don't love the people that have died in my life. I've just always kind of looked at it from a very healthy perspective of, well, that person was here. And they're no longer in pain anymore, so it is what it is. There's nothing that I can do about it, and, you know, I'll, I'll just remember them how I, how I remember them, you know, when they were at their best, and I think that's what they would want. But this loss of my sister and my dog were just something else entirely. It was totally unexpected and unprecedented, and my sister especially, she was very, um, she was a very unique case. I think a lot of people knew that her time was probably going to be cut short because of her disabilities and how she lived her life. And But I think that's, that's such a, a petty thing to dwell on, you know? She was such a, uh, a beautiful human being. And to dwell on the, the negative parts of her and say, well, that's going to affect how long she lives, it's just dismissive, and I don't agree with it. But I took her loss exceptionally negatively and then I don't know maybe a month and a half two months after her death I lost my dog Leah to sepsis at least that's what the vet told me I don't know she got in a fight with another dog and um, got an infection or contracted an illness from the other dog I don't know what happened but needless to say it wasn't good it wasn't good and I I didn't have the uh, resources at the time to take care of her um, after she got hurt Um, she was off the leash which was my fault and I take full accountability for that and it was because of that feeling of accountability that kind of made me lose my mind a little bit and I took too much accountability I think to the point where I started blaming myself for what happened and uh, I really let myself go Um, fell into a deep depression Anyway, my stepdad was here, um, I don't know, maybe, it's almost been three weeks now, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to put the man on the spot, um, but me and him had probably the, the worst slash best time together. For the first time ever in our, God, I don't even know. 12 or 13 years of knowing each other we connected for the first time in our lives together Um, he came to Florida to help me kind of get back on my feet and uh, I owe everything to that man I really truly do and uh, I don't want to go into detail about what happened but he cried and uh, we cried together for the first time since I've known him 
You know, there was a lot of things that he did to me when I was a kid that were almost like frat boyish, you know? And it made me distrust him greatly when I was younger. But he didn't know. He didn't know how to be a dad, and he was having to be a dad to two kids that weren't his blood, and it was admirable. I thought he dealt with it way better than most parents who were, you know, taking care of kids that weren't theirs did. You know, I think he did probably the best that I've ever seen, you know? He did everything for us kids. I mean, fucking everything. And I respect that man so much, you know, I, I don't always agree with everything, and he doesn't always agree with everything that I do either, but... Anyway, for the first time in our lives together, we uh, connected um, three weeks ago, and uh, I greatly appreciate him coming down and helping me out and get things done, because I don't have a car. You know, it's hard for me to get around. I had some legal trouble about four years ago that I I took care of, the legal side of it, but I didn't take care of the uh, the paperwork to get my license back. and. To be honest with you, I couldn't afford a car right now anyway. I have a mortgage and a, and a rent payment for the lot that my house sits on right now. So there's really no way I could afford a car anyway. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise. But it definitely does make it hard, you know. In America right now, you have to have a car to really do anything. And I think that's just uh, it's a real shame when you don't have one. Because, you know, I've had a car ever since I was old enough to drive, you know. And it's just a, a weird adjustment to get used to because you have to rely on everybody else now for fucking transportation and it's it's kind of bullshit you know a lot of people have really uh <laughs> taken on more than their fair share with me the last few months and uh I'm very grateful to them but they they don't need to be doing all that and uh I've kind of taken advantage of people a little bit and I'm not gonna lie to you I did I was desperate and I I kind of got into a dark place and I just started taking advantage of people and you know it's uh it's unfortunate but you know this podcast, I don't want it to be a um, a place where dishonesty reigns supreme. You know, I want there to be no no dishonesty. You know, and I I, I try to be as honest as I can nowadays. You know, it's uh, it's my way of living in gratitude of the life that I'm living now. You know, I I've been sober for four and a half years. That's a major milestone for me, and I never thought I'd reach that point. I tried to get sober so many times before, you know, it was crazy that the, the people in the rooms of AA and NA, they talk about, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel. Fuck, my barrel didn't have a bottom. That bottom had rusted out and I was just fucking digging deeper beyond that, that bottom of that barrel. You know, it was crazy to think about, you know, four years ago when I was still homeless and uh, the people that I met on the streets were truly a, an inspiring bunch of folks, you know, they... They were not always uh, trustworthy, that's for damn sure. But the people that I did hang out with on a daily basis uh, were absolutely instrumental in my development as a man, or at least in the man that I am now. I'm still not, you know, the man that I'm sure people would like me to be. You know, responsibility is still something that's foreign to me. I'm not very good with money. And uh, (laughs) I'm still jobless after a year. I moved into this house a year ago, and uh, that was all predicated on me having a job, and I can't make any excuses, but um, nothing seemed to work out right. Every time I've restarted my life in a new house or a new city, 
it just never worked out right. I always start out so good. The momentum is always there from the beginning. And then something, something along the way happens that completely dismantles the whole plan. You know, and I was uh, kind of at a point a year ago where I was like, you know, me and my brothers were living in an apartment together and that arrangement didn't work out. And that's fine. You know, we, we had our own habits and, and you know, that's just the way it goes. Even if you're family, you, you just, you want to, you want to branch out and do your own thing. And then that's, there's no hard feelings there about that. But, um, I had, uh, an opportunity arise where I was going to be homeless again if I didn't find another place. And, uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I didn't need help when that, you know, when that decision was made unanimously amongst us three, you know, that we were going to, you know, go off on our own. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I'd, I'd worked uh, those two years at that job and saved up a bunch of money and had, you know, money to fall back on. I didn't. I didn't. You know, it's no secret that I am terrible, notoriously terrible with my money and always have been. But anyway, my mom helped me get a loan for, uh, a fifth wheel, which is all the room that I need in the world. And it's so fucking affordable, especially when the housing crisis happened around COVID. I mean, the prices were fucking astronomically diabolical with how fucking high they got, you know, and I, I was no place to even get a, a fucking uh, mortgage on a regular house, man. You know, I couldn't even get a co-signer loan with anybody. My credit was so bad, a bank wouldn't even look at me. They wouldn't even fucking look at me, you know. But things worked out, and I'm living in the trailer park. It is what it is, uh, but it's actually a really nice community, you know. Despite all the the connotations and fucking stereotypes that can come up with, you know, um, living in a trailer park. The community is so fucking calm, and, you know, besides the occasional smell of weed, it's fucking great. The people here are so nice and so fucking peaceful. There's no... We had one bad apple here, you know, when I first moved in here, who lived across the street from me. He was a real bad apple. I mean, a real bad apple. Fucking took advantage of everybody. And anyway, he got ran out of the community by everybody. They decided they didn't want to deal with him anymore. And I don't blame them. I dealt with them a few times in the, the short time that I knew him. Thank God that they fucking got rid of them. But, um, yeah, it's been a really great opportunity for me, but, you know, I've been trying to utilize other ways of making money that haven't really worked out. And, uh, I guess after COVID I'd gotten out of the drug treatment and I got so accustomed to working from home. Once I got into the halfway house, I got a job working from home. And then when I moved in with my brothers to the, in the apartment in Temple Terrace, you know, I, I really became used to that. You know, and became complacent, as some would say. Now, I'm not going to deny that. I fucking love working from home. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love working from home? You know, and uh, anyway, I was with the job that I had um, working from home for two and a half years. It's the longest job I've ever had. And I've had some fucking dumpers in the past, you know, jobs that were just like throwaways. I think the shortest time I was ever at a job was fuck, I want to say three weeks, and it was a, fuck, what was it, oh yeah, it was a sales and marketing job with a company called APCO, they were located in uh, 
in uh, Van Nuys, California. I don't know if they're still there or if they're still relevant, but uh, basically it was me uh, posting up outside of public places and taking donations for for different you know causes um, from companies that would hire us out to raise money for their for their brand. And uh, the particular contract that we had when I was with that company was we were trying to bring back the Dare program. We were trying to get it back into schools. <laughs> funny, oddly enough, right? Yeah, it was fucking funny as hell because uh, it was all, it was primarily commission-based. I think there was an hourly wage on top of that, but it wasn't very much. If you really wanted to make money, you had to get the fucking donations. You know, you really did. And unfortunately for me, I just wasn't as good of a salesman as you need to be to set up, you know, outside of public places, you know? I mean, that is such a tough gig, man, even for the people that were seasoned, you know? I remember knowing a guy, uh, I remember I knew the the guy who worked not on my team, we had several teams, but the team that uh, this guy worked on was not the team that I was on. His name was Tariq, you know, he was a seasoned fucking salesman for that company. And even he was... (laughs) like fucking dare program ma'am he's like you know i'm making okay money but he's like god damn man if you want to hit those big numbers you got to get into these fucking whole foods and fucking sprouts and we're getting goddamn ralph's and fucking walgreens and this that and the other thing it's like god damn man you know nobody gives a fuck about drug retention or drug prevention anymore it's fucking bullshit you know and uh it was what it was but um i had this uh 1994 Honda Accord that I moved out to LA with and it was the car that we got at the time you know it was nobody's fault but before I moved out to California I had a really nice Dodge Dakota 2005 four-wheel drive it was amazing but I was no longer able to afford the insurance on the vehicle And uh, with me moving out to California and the rent costs out there are just astronomically ridiculous, I had to get a cheaper vehicle that had cheaper insurance. So I fucking uh, got a 94 Honda Accord. It was a great deal. It was $1,200, but it overheated a lot. And we'd gotten it to a mechanically sound point enough to make the trip out to California. But once I got there... There were so many appointments that I missed. There were so many opportunities that I missed out on because that car did not run. At all. Hardly at all. And there was this mechanic that I had taken it to several times when I was in L.A. Jimmy. I still know him. And, uh, you know, he did everything he could to the car. And even then, even then the car wouldn't fucking run reliably enough to get from A to B. It was fucking insane. But, (laughs) you know, it was an adventure to say the very least, man. That first time out to L.A. was was crazy. It genuinely was. You know, I moved out to L.A. with my stepdad in that beat-up 1994 Honda Accord. And I moved back to Colorado by myself. In that beat-up 1994 Honda Accord. So it had its perks, you know. There was something about that car that made sense for that time of my life. I needed that car to get me to where I am today. It humbled me. 
It really did. You know, you're moving out to L.A. with this brash, almost cocky mentality of like, oh shit, I've made it. I'm signed with a legitimate acting agency. I am the shit. But I have a car that does not get me to where I need to go without truly giving me a lot of guff and problems. And I think that if I had moved out there with a vehicle that was reliable, I would have excelled. And I probably would have gotten a development deal. I probably would have made a lot of money, but I would have been an asshole. I would have probably become a fucking Democrat. You know, no offense to people that are Democratic. It's not a fucking pissing contest. But Hollywood will definitely change you. And it's not always in the best way. You can be the most humble, you know, level-headed person. But when you move out to L.A., you're rolling the dice on who you're going to become. You really are. So I think with me failing out there, fucking was for the best. I couldn't imagine living in Los Angeles now. It has charm. There are places there that I would love to go back to one day. But I swear... I would not want to live there full time again. I will always remember what that time and place of my life gave to me. The people that I met were so fundamentally interesting and confoundingly fascinating to my development as a human being. Or not fascinating, they were entirely confoundingly essential to my development as a human being. Same with the people I met on the streets, being homeless. Uh, it was just not meant to be, you know, and, um, I still love performing, you know, this week, um, the last two weeks, I've made it a point to upload a video on YouTube every day, every single day, do something creative every single day. And that's why I'm starting this podcast that I'm going to release every Tuesday. You can get it on anything that, uh, you can get it on any platform that you get your podcasts on. Um, this is just the first inaugural episode. Like I said, it's uh, you know a little bit uh, it's a little bit bootleg my setup currently right now, but it will get better. The quality will improve, and uh, as will the guests. I'm sure I'll have some guests eventually as well. There were some people that I would love to get on. You know, some people from LA that I would love to re re uh, reacclimate myself to. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what the where the trajectory of this podcast goes, but it's truly instrumental at this point in my life that I stay creative. That's what's going to keep me alive. You know, um, the one thing that I realized in the last few months when I had my low point was that uh, I wasn't being creative and I was denying myself that creative flow. And if there's one thing that I've been lacking for the last four years, fucking the last seven years, has been a creative flow, a consistent creative flow. I always start something. I'll always start something creative and then I'll get into this fucking rut where I'm like, it's shit. It's shit. Well, now I don't care if it's shit because I'm doing it for me. That's what I'm doing it for. I don't care what anybody thinks anymore. There's no dollar point. There's no dollar signs anymore. You know, that time of my life has passed. You know, I'm just about doing things that make me happy now. And uh, if that doesn't jive with people, then so be it. But uh, I'm, I'm at this point in my life now because of who I am right now. Not who I was five years ago. You know, not who I was ten years ago. Who I am now. 
you know, and it's, uh, it's so instrumental to stay creative if you're a creative person. And I know I keep using that word, but it's, it's a, it's a very important word in my life. Um, being instrumental, being, you know, being who you truly are, that's fucking important. In 2023, we can't afford to be two-faced anymore. We have to live up to who we truly are. And that's what I'm doing. I love all of you. If you've listened to this, I greatly appreciate your support. And uh, God love you and God bless you. We'll talk soon.